Hello? Yeah, that's better. Okay, Mark. I need your mark. It's marker. Marker. Marker, mark. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Here we go. All right, baby. I, it, this trips me up that I can't hear anything in, in headphones, but I'm wearing headphones. No, you can't tell them that. I know, I it's know. It's just for show. I know, it's just for show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, holy shit, that was my... my, my. Okay, hey everybody, it's Cameron here from the fourth episode of Framework. I am joined with Painted Bones. Greeno, what's up? <laughs> How are you today? Wasn't expecting you to throw my Instagram handle out there. Yeah, just the first thing. <laughs> the first thing uh, was just a, a shameless plug. I know? like it. Yeah. I'm not complaining. Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't think you would complain about that. Okay, <laughs> I gotta take I gotta take the, these off. I can't I can't do this okay. and not hear anything. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't do this and not hear anything. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a while since we've kind of sat in a room and talked to each other. Yeah, this feels a bit like an interrogation, I'm not going to lie. We yeah, have, no, like, okay. lights set up right above us. Yeah. and uh, Robin scrolling his Instagram <laughs> on the yeah. floor. That's what makes it not an interrogation, just Robin sitting on Robin's the floor presence. on Instagram. Robin's yeah. presence. Robin's yeah, presence. Right. There was an interrogation in the movie we're going to talk about today. But, like, it was very... It wasn't the primary function of the movie, but I guess you kind could call of a, it that. What? I guess you could call it that. Yeah. An interrogation where he, you know, what's his name was oh, yeah. standing oh, I in the. About that. His, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to get too far into into just that one scene. But we do have a couple of frames here that you've chosen. Yeah. Before we get into the frames, I just want to remind our audience. For the fourth time, and I probably won't do this again for the fifth episode, but, uh, you know, because it's going to get a bit boring listening to me talk about Framework and how it's a film-centric podcast <laughs> brought to you by Red Curtain Entertainment. Um, the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin DeRuse from Red Curtain Entertainment is not here today, but he is the executive producer of the show. So shout out to Kevin. You can check him out on Dr. Masaki on YouTube. Um, as, of, as of the release date of this recording... We will have had uh, a few episodes already air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, which is really exciting. <laughs> you were holding that glass of water for so long. Was I? Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> it's just in the air. It's just in the air, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's it. It's an exciting thing, though. I've, I've always thought about doing a podcast. I started doing podcasts when I was in high school with a friend. When it, when, when it was just kind of starting when podcasts were new and mostly YouTube had podcasts and we did 10 10 minute episodes on our lunch break because that's about as all uh the time we had that's awesome and uh we talked about we mostly did reviews of music like pop music oh but how they influence you know but it's transitioned to something huge and i'm i feel so proud to have a show on on a platform that everybody literally everybody has access to so welcome to episode four thank you i'm really uh, really pleased to have you on on episode four. We're going to talk about a movie that I just saw that that hopefully has affected you and maybe your career. Um, and uh, and I mean, we'll just dive deep into into that conversation before we get deep into the the four images or one of the images or whatever you want to do. Which, by the way, I haven't seen yet. They're beh- they're hiding behind my audition window. <laughs> uh, I haven't looked at them yet. So this is this is me coming with almost no preparation. 
uh, improvising the entire episode. So we'll be excited to do that. But before uh, we really get into the meat and potatoes of the show, um, tell me about yourself. Just a little bit about Karina. What what do you want the audience to know about you and what do you think is relevant for the show? And, and a little tidbit, maybe add something that's a fun factor. I thought you were going to write me an intro. Didn't you write one for Robin? Where's my intro, Cam? Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I read his website description. I oh. Think. Like I read his, yeah, and, and then he called me out on it being inaccurate. Oh, but you wrote it. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to say anything. Cause. <clears throat> uh, okay. I'm going to do my intro now. Do your, do your, be- <laughs> do your best. Don't worry. Okay. Um, well, I'm Karina, but you guys know that already. I'm 24. Uh, also work in the film industry. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Welcome to Framework. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I work in the camera department, and I'm... Officially an IATSE 667 member, not to brag or anything, but it's pretty cool. And I make other art too, I guess. I guess. That's my intro. (laughs) No, that's cool. That's a great, that's a, that's a great intro. I mean, I'm glad you liked it. It was me. Yeah. I mean, Robin, are you a union member yet? So you're the first union member we've had on the show. That's Um, kind of, it's kind of a stretch, but you know what? Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. You know, you're you're on a show that I mean, I'm assuming. Have you signed a? Um, yeah, I'm not allowed to talk about. Yeah, it. you got an, an, an NDA on that, so we can't talk about uh, about that one. But uh, but you're on a project right now. I am. You're on a project right now as part of your entrance into the union. They call it you know they call it a, ro- a rotation, right? What does that in- involve? Like, what are you involved in in terms of just the general sense of? having a rotation for anybody who doesn't know what that means, you know, explain kind of what you're doing. Um, well, I'm a, a camera trainee, which, uh, that's why I think it's a stretch to say I'm a member, but, um, basically I get put on like six to 10 rotations on different like shows and movies. Um, and I basically shadow other assistant camera people. Um, and they are, teaching me how to be a camera assistant so um yeah that will probably take me about maybe a year and a half to complete and then i can upgrade to a full member cool yeah awesome awesome and would you say that you would you say that you've always you know felt a calling from the camera department or you've always approached the camera department as sort of in your head, maybe that's kind of what I want to do, or was there a change at some point? Have you always been interested in the camera department? Uh, yeah, I mean, I sort of started out shooting photos, actually. Um, I remember I had, like, my old iPod Touch in middle school, just, like, trying to take artsy photos and over-editing them, and I'm sure everyone had that phase, uh, but mine stuck around, so... Um, yeah, now I'm, uh, I'm working in the camera department, still trying to decide if it's like what I want to do forever. Um, but actually the movie we're talking about today Mm -hmm. was, uh, a pretty monumental one for me. I, uh, came out in 2013, so I guess I would have been, what grade would we have been in, Cam? Would, were we in college yet? 
Not college, definitely no, not college. No. Uh, uh, 20, grade 11? Grade 11, yeah. 2011, we graduated. Uh, we, we, well, we're the same age. I mean, yeah, yeah we graduated grade 8 in 2011. So grade, 2010. Uh, grade 9 would have been... 2010, right? I was 2011. Graduated middle school? Is that what yeah, you're elementary school, yeah. Oh, I went to middle school. <laughs> That's not relevant to what we're talking about. Is, anyway. <laughs> is, is, is middle school just like grade it's, six, it, seven, eight? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I th- okay, we either graduated grade, we either, well, we started college in 2015. Okay. So if we work backwards, four years is 2011. Right. I'm wrong. Don't you just love to hear that? You're wrong. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so 2013 um, would have been grade 11. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just, uh, it was like maybe, I don't know, one or two in the morning. It was like one of those nights in the middle of the summer where, you know, you just like stay up, all the lights are off in your bedroom, but you got your laptop and you're just watching movies. And this was one that I put on and, uh, I don't know, it felt pretty, pretty life changing in a way. Um, I mean, I've got a tattoo from it, so it's on me forever. Um, but it was definitely like pretty monumental in in me wanting to pursue film. Originally, like I was like, oh, I'll go to college for photography, and then I was thinking like, well, maybe I'll go into film because my my justification was there was more work in film, which I don't know if that's true. Um, but hey, now I'm here, so. Must have done something. Must have done something. <laughs> yeah. Just to get, obviously, to lose the kind of interview formula that we've set up. Um, <laughs> yeah. to, to go into to go into the movie that we are going to talk about today, uh, which I believe you said is um, the Kings of Summer. That's right. So, in a way, you are a guinea pig for framework in the sense that we're trying out a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. First thing, as the audience can see if they're on YouTube right now, is we have a video element. Looking to um, the camera. So, camera. that's kind of neat. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And so, we have a video element. We also, there's a few little things about how I'm going to approach the show that's slightly different. In the past, what I've done is I've written a review for the movie. In this case, I wasn't actually able to do that for Kings of Summer. So... I'm going to try and do something where we look at the IMDb um, the IMDb description of, of the Kings of Summer and let that jumpstart what frames did we pick and then talk about it in whichever way that you, you, you've thought about today, which I think we had a brief discussion before coming on the podcast about. So IMDb says three teenage friends in the ultimate act of independence decide to spend their summer building a house in the woods and the living off the land. And that's it. That's that's the description, the sort of, I guess you could call it a logline in a way. It's less of a logline and more of a one-sentence description. Um, it's close to a logline. The film's director, I'm going to... Do you know the, how to pronounce the last name? No. Okay. I think it's like Vought Roberts. Jordan Voigt Roberts. Vought, <laughs> Vought Roberts. Vought Roberts. Whatever. Sorry, Jordan. You're probably not listening to this. <laughs> I uh, written by Chris Galetta, I guess. Starring Nick Robinson, Gabriel Basso, and Moises Arias or Arias or however you... I think it's Arias. Arias, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so great film. I just saw the film. Like Scott Pilgrim, which we talked about in episode two, I hadn't seen the film. Um, I hadn't seen, you hadn't seen Scott Pilgrim I hadn't seen Scott Pilgrim before the episode. Like before, well, I, I watched it for the episode. No, I know. Like a but... week prior to the episode. So this is, you know, Framework has proven to be such a great exercise for me because there are so many films I haven't seen that um, I'm getting to watch because I know these people, because I know you and I know Kevin and, and it's just amazing to broaden your horizons and watching movies you haven't seen before. And I think more people should do it. Um, it's easy to get into the slump of watching something comfortable, you know, yeah, like watching something sure. you've watched 40,000 times. Um, Roger Ebert, the website gave it a two out of five. <laughs> Rude. Gave it a <laughs> Gave it a 2 out of 5. IMDb gives it a 7.1 out of 10. I think uh, I think that's closer to... You okay over there, Robin? I think 7.1 out of 10 is closer to the rating that I would give it, and even that is a little bit low. Um, but we're not necessarily here to talk about what we would write about the film. But that's the film, so if you're... Um, if you're just listening and you're, you don't get to see the frames because you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we want to give you the best experience possible by describing the movie that we're talking about and the frames that we're looking at. So um, would you say that that little description that we read does the film justice or should we maybe want to try and expand on it? I think it's a pretty bare bones description, but it's pretty accurate. I mean you have these kids that run off to the woods and build a house. And that's usually what I tell people the movie is about. Um, and I think log lines are tough sometimes because they don't really describe sort of the emotional journey that the characters go on. Um, I guess you'd have to read the, the plot in order to understand or just watch the movie. Um, but I think, uh, I think bare bones. Yeah. It's it's pretty accurate. Yeah, definitely. With a log line, there's there's the intention to try and get across the essence of the movie, but sometimes because you only have one sentence, you can't cap you can't encapsulate the entire film in one, in right. one sentence. You have to watch the entire film to, to get that um, for sure. So help us figure out um, what frames we're looking at. I'm, I just opened them up, so I'm seeing four frames. Um, I think that's cheating, but it's okay. That's okay. Cam it's didn't fine. yell at me, so no, I didn't yell at you. Kevin, Kevin brought three oh. um, for Scott Pilgrim. Um, so I hold the record now. So you hold the record. So maybe, maybe uh, somebody will come on in the future and bring six or whatever, and or just buy, play the whole movie or just play the in whole real movie. time. You know, we'll do a framework episode. It'll be a bonus episode down the line where we'll pick a movie and we'll just watch it. And then that, but in in pure silence, but in so pure silence. no one gets anything out of it. And you can't play the movie because it's copyright. So, <laughs> so it's just a black screen. So it's just a black screen for an hour and forty five minutes. Yeah. So uh, I'll let you describe the frames. Okay. So I think you'll do a good job of that. Sure. And you can also pick the frame that you want to start with and just tell us about mm -hmm. it. And remember too, we want to be uh, we want to cater to our uh, both audiences. So YouTube's yeah. going to see the frames, but Spotify's not. So. Right. So I picked these four frames because I think they're really good examples of showing parallels in this movie. And that's a really uh, prevalent theme in this movie. Um, 
and they use it as a way to drive the story as well. And they show that through their editing techniques and also their sound um, and visually as well. Um, and the frames I picked, the first two are actually literally the opening scene of the movie. And the last two are one of the last scenes. Um, and you'll often see this as a pretty common um, technique, I, I guess, sort of in in films is like a storybook ending. The way it begins is the same way that it ends. And so the stills that I picked, uh, the ones from the beginning of the film, you see Joe, he's our main sort of teen character. Um, he's in the shower and his dad is is knocking on the door telling him he's been in there for 54 minutes and to get out. And uh, you see him just sort of ignoring his dad um, in the still. He's like covering his ears in the shower. Um, and the second still is his dad just waiting outside of the door. Um, and I kind of want to talk about color as well. I think it's a, a pretty um, relevant symbol in the movie as well. Um, at this point, like these two frames, they're kind of washed out, not super saturated. Um, throughout the movie, you can tell that Joe and his dad don't have the best relationship because, you know, his mom's not around and his dad's dating this new girl. Um, Joe likes to call her spider woman from that was found in the gutter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so he's definitely not a, a big fan of her. Um, but these two frames, um, both very washed out and kind of telling of what their relationship is like at the beginning of this movie. Um, and I'll talk about the plot a little bit for people that haven't seen this movie is, uh, Joe and his friend Patrick just like one day decide that they're gonna run away from home basically. And just, go live in the woods and just, you know, be independent and basically say like, you know, we don't need our parents to help us. Uh, we can just totally do this ourselves. So, um, his friend Patrick definitely needs a bit more convincing. Um, whereas Joe is just like, yeah, let's do this. Like, it'll be no problem. Um, so they run off together and, uh, I guess before that they go to like a senior party uh, on the pond and they, you know, find this perfect clearing and, uh, this weird kid Biagio just follows them and somehow they just get stuck with him and he, he ends up, uh, helping them build this place. So, um, yeah, I guess that's sort of the, the general plot. Um, I don't know, like, should I, should I be spoiling the whole thing? I mean, if you've made it this far and you haven't seen Kings of Summer, you're torturing yourself. Well, I don't blame so. people if they haven't seen it. It's, um, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, like it came out in 2013, so it's yeah. not really like super relevant right now. Um, but if you really like coming of age movies, watch this one because it's my favorite. It's, see, it's, um, Kings of Summer. So, it, I think it's a great film. I just saw it. I, again, I didn't watch it in, in 2013. I love a really good coming-of-age story, and I mean, they're everywhere. Like, yeah. I guess you could say the movie I'm writing right now is kind of coming-of-age, not in the sense that it's it's all-encompassing coming-of-age, because it isn't, but um, 
uh, you can find coming this the, the 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 mechanic of coming of age and the themes that come along with it in a lot of films and this and this one does it really in a in a in a really nice way that I think was refreshing they they took three character like three boys three characters who and highlighted parental relationships three different parental relationships um, Joe's parental relationship is obviously that of one with a father and a and 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 obviously is Mother appeared to have died, so um, just having a single parent, and whereas Patrick is, you know, the relationship he has, he has both parents, but the one that's highlighted is only it has with his mom because his mom is kind of weird. Like his mom (laughs) is. They're both very strange. They're both really. I love the actors, but by the way, the actors everywhere throughout this movie are great. so and that's a very different relationship from the one that Joe has, and you put these two characters together, and um, the movie is not is obviously, oops, obviously not just about these characters' relationships with their parents, but kind of the resulting relationship that they have with each other, and uh, you see that in frames later on. But in this couple of frames, I think it's great that you're talking about the color and and how washed. It is, and and um, the storybook endings, the beginnings and the endings, and how they relate with one another. Um, but I think, and I think these two frames, if you just look at how they're framed and how they're relating to one another, right? It's it's almost like there's there's a dialogue going on. If you were to shoot a dialogue in in that wide shot, or even in the reverse shots, if you were to put those shots together, the characters are facing one another. Right. That's yeah. the, the, the natural, obviously, the natural dialogue framing is that, you know, we're looking at each other. They're creating the illusion that we're looking at each other. And even though there's a barrier, you know, if you were to put these two frames side by side, which I, I might do, we can immediately highlight that Joe's facing right to left and uh, his dad's the opposite facing left to right and he even has his hand extended out i mean obviously the way that this scene plays out is different than just looking at it as a still image but we can do both and and talk about it um yeah it's a great little sequence great little frame uh frames back to back um uh i don't remember exactly but i'm pretty sure they cut from that to this without having any sort of cut in the middle like in terms of the editing like I think they go from the shower to his dad. Yes. Yeah. So there, there, there are some frames also like before his dad knocks on the door, mm-hmm. he's thinking about the girl that he's got a crush on. So right. that was actually one of my other options for frames is there's a shot of Joe's eyes um, and he's just sort of daydreaming about this girl and you see like a close up of her eyes in the field Um which is another like great sort of editing parallel, but also a visual parallel. Um, the, uh, the other two frames that, uh, we've got are basically like essentially the same as the beginning frames. We have Joe in the hospital bathroom and he's looking at himself and he's all dirty. He's got a bit of grungy facial hair growing um and his dad is knocking on the door and he hands him some like you know some toothpaste a toothbrush some deodorant whatever and uh he's on the other side of the door waiting for him and these two frames are definitely a lot more saturated 
Uh, not much, but you can see that it's like, you know, maybe getting a little bit warmer, at least with uh, the frame of the dad. He's just leaning against the door waiting for uh, Joe to get out. And uh, Joe's frame is, is also a bit more saturated, but it's a little colder. But I think uh, it's pretty um, apparent that their relationship has changed since, you know, now they've been reunited after Joe came back from literally living by himself uh, in the woods. Um, for the summer. For the summer. <laughs> Maybe you'd call him a king of summer. I Maybe. don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Is that kind of what they're implying? <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe. But yeah, and uh, I also wanted to mention, um, counter to your point, Cam, with uh, cutting back and forth between the two, is uh, this movie uses a lot of like visual obstructions in the frame to mm -hmm. kind of show the divide between the relationships of all the characters. So here, I mean, this is a pretty obvious one. There's a door in the way of both of them. And I know you even mentioned in the first frame of the dad, he's literally reaching his hand out. It's kind yeah. of a, almost a subconscious, like he's trying to reach out to his son as cheesy as it sounds. But I mean, a lot of the stuff you see in movies is not by accident. It's really a lot of it is thought of, um, and I think uh, I think here is this is like a p perfect example. There's literally a divide, a door, an obstruction between the relationship of Joe and his dad. Yeah, and and that's the na the nature of, of of films is is watching change, you know, and seamlessly right, and how. Even even though there is a storybook ending, you know, where or how movies start are generally kind of how they how they end. And this is a good example. And it's a subtle thing because, you know, it could it's not the same door, you know, obviously. Right. But um, the visual style and, and like you're saying, even things as subtle as saturation and color choices and uh, and that sort of a thing, they change over time, too. And um and you can see that here with these four with these four frames, um, capturing capturing two moments, and over the course of obviously the film, the characters have to go through something, and um, the filmmakers, including the director and DP, uh, have to have to support that and do their work to show that change. And with things as subtle as saturation, you can do that. Um, so I think these are these are four great frames. These are four great frames. Um, did you want to focus on parallels, or is there something is there something else you wanted to talk about as well, or is parallels you want to, we can make that sort of our discussion, or was there something else you wanted to bring up about the four frames? What did you have else in mind? Um, I mean, I know I kind of mentioned the color a little bit, but um, I think uh, not only does it help convey the status of, of everyone's relationships. Um, but it also just sort of adds to, I guess the overall feeling of the movie, like, um, <clears throat> so, um, you'll notice like when you watch the movie that it looks pretty grainy, um, almost like it was shot on film. Um, actually it was shot on a red epic, I believe. And with, um, some Panavision Primo lenses. Um, but it was actually printed on 35 mil 
later on, um, which does, I, I don't, I'm not really sure what their process was, whether they, you know, printed it onto 35 mil and then rescanned it. I, I don't know what the case was or whether they just sort of added some digital grain in there. But I think the intention behind it and sort of the color palette choice, like throughout the movie, it's very saturated and along with the grain and sort of the warm tones, it really conveys sort of the like nostalgic feeling of this movie. Um, they also tend to sometimes like go out of focus a little bit. And I noticed this cause I'm, I'm a focus puller or at least trying to be, uh, but it, I don't know. I think it's a very like smart and sort of natural way to show maybe something that feels more like a memory. Um, and yeah, um, I think uh, the warm sort of color palette throughout this movie is is really outstanding. I love it. Yeah, and and I think it's really interesting what you're talking about, what you're getting to with the that aspect of it being a memory. You know, um, a lot of people's memories are associated with um, with summer. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like if you go back to. Like, even if we just go back to 2013, where we were in 2013 when this movie came out, a lot of those memories, you know, are associated with summer. A lot of them are associated with travel. A lot of them are associated with friends. And a lot of them are associated with camp. And a lot of them are associated... That's where all my memories go. I mean, in terms of, like, in terms of school, your memory doesn't go to math class. You know, your memory goes to that time you were tripped by this guy and it didn't work out for him in the hallways <laughs> right. between math class and science, you know. So, and I think those memory, like memories in general, at least, at least in, in filmmaking as a whole, not just, not just Kings of Summer, but when memories are portrayed or flashbacks are portrayed, there's the sense of, sometimes there's a sense of softness. Like sometimes they right, just choke, right. they choose... Um, to go out of focus a little bit and wander around the camera, the characters with the camera. Um, and the moment with uh, with Kelly, I think was her name, if I remember correctly, yeah. in the field, that's a little soft, isn't it? I think there's a little soft, maybe not in focus, but there's like a softness to it. There's a softness to her, you know? Yeah, I have a feeling that they probably use, I don't know, maybe Robin can answer this a bit more, but maybe some sort of like pro mist filter or something that adds a bit of, of glow to them. Um, but yeah, especially like in sort of the, um, maybe daydreams, that's the word I'm looking for Mm -hmm. is, uh, yeah, there's definitely a softness to it. Uh, also they're a bit more saturated as well than the rest of the movie. Um, and yeah, definitely a lot of like they're probably shooting at a very like shallow f-stop so you get that nice like bouquet around the edges that you get with you know anamorphic lenses mm-hmm. um but yeah 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 and, and that you know you could you could just sit down with a dp even if you're shooting digital and say okay film that's what we're going yeah. for <laughs> what's your look we're going for film. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are you going to give me film to shoot on? No. No. Nope. I'd be too scared to do that. I'd be too scared to do that. Yeah. Uh, you'd be too scared to shoot on film or yeah. you'd be too scared to be the producer hiring the person and giving them film. <laughs> no, to shoot it. <laughs> to probably. shoot it. Yeah. To shoot it for sure. <clears throat> but there, but uh, we were having this discussion before about, you know, like, was it shot on film? Trying to figure out afterwards 
was it shot on film? And I and I did think it was throughout the film when I was when I was seeing, especially with the close-ups, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, with the close-ups, it's easy to convince me with the close-ups that they're shooting on film, even if they're not, because of the you can see the grain. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's hard to tell without without sitting down and talking to the editor or the person who processed the footage or even even somebody involved in the post process. It's hard to figure out for yourself uh, what their process is exact, exactly was mm-hmm. because they could have just printed the master on a film strip. Right. Right. Or they could have printed every shot on on printed every shot and then edited from the film. Like, I mean, or or rescanned it like they could have done anything. Right. It's hard to know. Um, you know, could there have been some grain that came through? when they printed the master on 35 and, you know, is there a big change that happens if they choose to show uh, a printed master, like a traditionally printed 35 millimeter master in a cinema versus if they brought a DCP. So what happens in those processes is, is kind of, you know, it's, it's hard to tell just by being a viewer. Right. Um, and, but there, there's no disputing that it suited the tone of this coming of age film, which you know, there's no disputing that. I mean, it really looked like and felt like a, a coming-of-age film. I want to talk a little bit about Biagio's character because okay. I feel like we can't have I feel like we can't have a a podcast episode about Kings of Summer unless we talk about Biagio. <laughs> he carried uh, this movie. Yeah, he did carry the movie, didn't he? Um, what do you want to say about Biagio? Like, how do you like? Because it really this, this this film really is a trio film. Yeah. Right. It really is. I mean, the first shot of the movie is is Patrick and Joe and Biagio banging on a. I think it's a sewer pipe. I think. Yeah, it looks yeah. like it. Yeah. Um, banging on a pipe, right? And it's it's really out there. Like it's weird. Like, but it's funny and it's cool and it it tells you what kind of a movie you're watching. Like you know, if you walk into the cinema and you see this is the first frame, you're like, oh okay, that's what that's what we were gonna watch here. Okay. Yeah, I think. Um... I think they're sort of a, a bit of an unlikely trio. They're all very different characters. Joe is very, like, driven, and he's sort of, you know, got a plan for everything, where um, I think that it sort of parallels his dad a lot more than probably he'd like to admit. Um, and then we have Patrick. He's sort of the one that wasn't really sure about this idea in the first place. But he basically was like, literally anything I can do to get away from my parents because they're just so overbearing and they literally Mm -hmm. make me break out in hives. So, you know, he's just sort of, he's just sort of uh, the like, okay, I'm just going to like go with the flow, but also kind of be a dick about it the whole time. And then we have Biagio who just like is kind of a wrench in their plans almost. He just sort of starts tagging along and he's definitely like the comedic relief in this movie. I mean, the whole movie like does have a levity to it, but he's got some of the funniest lines in this movie. Oh, I know. You die laughing listening <laughs> to some of the shit he says. <laughs> and and it, they do spend some time. I'm sorry to cut in, but no. they do spend some time, not a lot of time, but they do spend a scene showing Biagio's relationship with his father while he's shaving. So, I mean, you do. So, Biagio is not just there to be funny and be silly yeah. and, and, you know, uh, and add that aspect to it. 
because by no means is it wasted on him. I mean, Biagio is a great character, and and they don't break the they don't break the trend of showing you the paternal relationships of, of yes. Patrick and by ignoring Biagio's father. And they do mention his uncle and the Challenger and his history and his backstory a little bit too. So you get a sense of where Biagio's coming from. But man, some of the stuff he said is he says is hilarious. And, <laughs> You know, and 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 like you said, they're they're different. They're all different characters, complete different characters. Mm-hmm. You know, and you 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 summarized it perfectly by calling it an unlikely trio because they really are an unlikely trio. Yeah. Um, and, and they, it also it also just secures and and for, and perpetuates the the points that we've been making about how they all have different relationships with their paternal figures. And, um, and the, ju- just there's something about showing dad shaving, you know, or like there's something about showing dad show their kids how to shave. I mean, it's for a boy, it's kind of like one of those things that you kind of, this is sort of a milestone. I'm 12. I'm going to learn how to shave from my dad or at, at age eight, he's going to give me a fake razor, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, like we've seen, but, uh, and and the shaving and the beards, like how they grow, and I I missed it at one point, but the beards show passage of time and all that kind of stuff. But um, they just try and they try and the filmmakers strike a really good balance of bringing in quote unquote masculine things, mm-hmm. right? That boys are raised to be taught how to do or approach life in a certain way, with things that. Obviously, they're carving their own path, literally, right? They're building a house and and whatever. So, the the filmmakers, there's a lot of symbolism in in what they're doing, and um, you know, to a degree, we are we're all trying to just find our own way, and we're, um, obviously, being shoehorned into a certain expectation is. It does exactly that. It shoehorns you and kind of constricts you. And these boys are, we're living vicariously through them and figuring our own selves out. Um, did you have some kind of a journey like that? Did you relate to any one of the three characters? And it could have been Biagio, you know, more than the rest. Or even not, even even if it was Kelly, that's okay too. But it, were, there, were there any one character that you, that you thought you related to most? In a way, sort of. Um, I actually want to go off of uh, a couple things that you just mentioned. Um, And it does sort of add on to my point about the parallels. But I think think that Joe's journey throughout this um, is really, like, very similar to what his dad is going through. And I think, like, as kids, not even just them as characters, but everyone a lot of people want to sort of do things opposite of what their parents do and I think that that's probably the most relatable part of this movie is you you know you grow up and your parents raise you a certain way they have certain rules they you know go about things in you know their own ways and you know, there's a lot of things that we go through growing up that maybe we're like, man, when I'm a parent, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what they're doing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think Joe's journey throughout this, it's, it's 
showing that really he is a lot more similar to his dad than uh, he realizes. And I know I mentioned that before already, but, you know, his sort of relationship with, with Kelly is he, you know, has a, a crush on her, but turns out she likes Patrick and they, they start dating. Um, and that's pretty similar to what Joe's dad is going through with this new girl. And, you know, he, he liked this, this woman and turns out they like, you know, didn't work out. And that's very similar to what Joe just went through. Um, and they sort of let a, a woman come in between their other relationships. But yeah, no. Um, so I think I wouldn't say I necessarily relate to one character over the other. I think if anything, it would probably be Joe just because he goes through that, like, man, I want to be like totally opposite of my dad. Um, and I think that that's pretty relatable, um, really for anyone. And, you know, I think, uh, I think Joe is very similar to me in the sense of that. I, as soon as I get an idea, I was, I'm just like, okay, let's do this right now. Like I don't really want to have a plan, which is so funny because I'm sure if I la literally ask you or anyone else, they're like, Karina needs to have everything planned to the T. And if things aren't on time, then she gets mad and frustrated. Accurate. <laughs> but I like to, uh, run boy run 2019. I made that film happen, Kim. All right. <laughs> I mean, it looks I'm great. So, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, I think, uh, at least like maybe, how I was when I first watched the film is, you know, I just sort of, I definitely felt that same wanderlust that he did to just sort of get out of, you know, his parents' house and just go do his own thing. And now, now I'm here and also doing my own thing. So. Yeah. And I think, and that's great. I, th I think I had a little bit of a different experience. I mean, this, you know, Running away from home, like the feeling of running away from home, I think everybody has at some point. But the the actually executing it for like an entire summer, like nobody ever does. I mean, some people might, I guess, but I, 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 you, they're they're exaggerating this feeling, which I think is a great thing, which film does a lot. But um, you know, and and I've thought about running away from home, but you know, it's just the, it's one of those fleeting things. I didn't have a um, a bad relationship with my parents and, uh, not that this relationship, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, um, in terms of my parents, I think that, you know, I think, uh, I, my parents did, I think my parents did a really great job of, of really trying not to be too overbearing and letting me do kind of what I, what I wanted to do, uh, in, in my life. And, um, and even them to this day reflect on how they know people their age who have kids our age and are, and how they had a big, you know, uh, not my parents, but the other parents they're referencing had a big handle in, you know, you got to go to school here and you got to do this and that overbearing nature. And I think, um, I think I relate to, I think it's hard, you know, you take little bits and you take little bits and pieces from sort of each one of the characters. Cause I think uh, in terms of that planning, we got to have a, like, if we're going to do this, we got to have a script, we got to have a plan, we got to have a <laughs> schedule. We got to have a Pirates of the Caribbean 
you know, map. We have <laughs> yeah. to have our map, right? We, you know, and in my life, that relates mostly to filming, you know, production, and um, hopefully we'll get to do more of that and, and framework, you know. Um, but I would say that there are certain aspects of Patrick that I think I relate to and, um, and, and Joe and Patrick's relationship, something had to come in the middle between them. And I mean, in this case, it just happened to be Kelly, but, um, until that point, right. Even though Patrick was, uh, a bit of a kind of, I don't know if we should do this, like not as, you know, a bit more hesitant, you know, which I think is more ingrained in me. Like if we're jumping off a cliff, I'm standing back. I mean, like, I don't know. even if we have a parachute and we got it, we're with an instructor and everything. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't know if we should do this. You know, like, <laughs> that's more me. I, I still have, even though I am, let's have a plan and, you know, kind of gung ho and let's go do it. You, there's still a sense of you got to know what you're doing. So I'm half sort of half Patrick. I am that, I am that, okay, guys, uh, I don't know if this is the best idea, but it's sort of like devil angel on your shoulder. Like, right. I don't know if this is a great idea, but let's fucking do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's go break, let's go like break these woods and, and, you know, build a treehouse out of things that we can find, which I think is totally cool. And, um, I think that sense of resourcefulness that these kids show the filmmakers show and how they approach making the film. So that's kind of, kind of neat. I'm looking at Robin every so often and he's like just staring at my 60 to make sure it's recording, which I appreciate because last time we tried to do this, it didn't work. Is it okay? We're getting a low battery warning. Oh, did I ask you to talk? You did ask me a question. <laughs> Maybe we'll anyway. wrap it up then? Yeah, we can start, we can start wrapping okay. it up. I think there's, um, there's a lot of good stuff in, in the episode and having, not having an episode that's too long is also a positive thing because yeah. before we do wrap it up, I have to do my, my, um, standard spiel of, you know, framework is a film centric podcast brought to you by Red Curtain Entertainment. Um, we're lucky to to live in uh, in Ontario where stage three of the reopening is here. So it, it's great. I'm really excited to be doing this show. And Kevin, uh, you know, is doing us the favor of putting it on Record Entertainment Podcast, which is on YouTube. The show is also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, if you're interested in film and you want to hear more about pop culture and movies uh, in pop culture, um, and you have an idea for an episode... Drop it in the, in the comments. You can also send us an email or whatever. I mean, I got a couple messages on my inst- my Instagram, so you can find me on Instagram. You can send me a message there. We'd love to take your ideas and totally just not run with them. So let us know. <laughs> <laughs> send your ideas, but we won't use them. Yeah, send your ideas. Feel free to send them. I mean, you got choices. Uh, you know, might not even read them. We might not even read them. So, no, we will. Maybe. Probably not. So... Uh, yeah, Kings of Summer. It's a great film. You know, if you made it this far and you still haven't watched it, I'm sorry that we spoiled the film, but go ahead and watch it anyways. Um, it's available, I believe, on Amazon Prime in the United States. You can also rent it on Google Play, Google Play, I think, yeah. or Google Movies or uh, whatever. You can rent it on um, Google Play. Yeah, go check it out on Google Play and uh, let us know what you think. 
Um, I I had to, I enjoyed chatting with you, Karina. Uh, Can't say the same to you, Kim. <laughs> just kidding, but not really. That's good. I, before we, before I just do my wrap up spiel, uh, well, finish the wrap up spiel. Um, we're doing something in about two hours that's actually really exciting. Actually, we're less go than. See a movie. I know we're gonna go see a movie for the first time in sixteen months. Theaters were open for like, like a little bit of last year, but then they closed them. But I didn't go out and see anything when it happened. So. About 16 months now, and um, Robin and I joke that we're going to go see Quiet Place and you're going to go see In the Heights, but you don't like musicals. Can't, or, can't just throw me under the bus like that, Cam. I, well, I three tickets, and the movies are on the tickets. Well. So unless you're going to steal Robin's Quiet Place ticket, we're not going to bring you into the Quiet Place theater. I mean, maybe we could. We just got to sneak you in, but I don't know. Maybe we won't, maybe we won't do that. <laughs> Uh, before we actually hit the record button to stop this episode, I also want to thank Robin for setting up this little setup and, and, uh, Karina for lending us your studio and hanging out here. Cause you know, I think we've done four episodes and we had four different locations of recording. Keeping it, keeping it interesting. So framework is traveling. Framework is changing with every episode. You know, this episode, we talked about a little bit of everything we talked about change we talked about transition we talked about characters storybook endings we talked about saturation and color and how they can influence uh, the progression of your movies and we hope that the listeners learned something and got something out of it and if you didn't well then maybe try again in episode five yeah find us on youtube rc podcasts and also our website www.redcurrententertainment.com slash framework See ya. Bye-bye. <laughs> and cut. Cut. <laughs>